Welcome to Polycast. I'm your host, Davey Drones, and on this show, I explore the lives of Cal Poly students, faculty, and alumni who share their stories and experiences. My guest today is Tyler Beatty, who has a very interesting career path that started with business finance to now graphic designer that builds brands for companies. He takes us through his experience at Draper University, which set him off on his startup venture, and the recent rebrand of his company, After Hours. So please welcome my guest Tyler, here on Polycast. All right, welcome Tyler, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So go ahead and just to start out, give us a little background about yourself, kind of what you're up to now, you know, what you were, went through Cal Poly as, and yeah, go for it. Sure, yeah, I went through Cal Poly and I studied finance and economics. And I kind of got into it because I was a big Craigslist seller in, in high school and even elementary school, middle school. And my parents absolutely loved having people come by at eight o'clock at night, you know, to buy and sell monitors and stuff. and. So I thought um, if I was good at figuring out the value of electronics and stuff, my parents were like, well, what if you try finance and do that with companies instead? And it uh, seemed pretty interesting to me. And they, it, you know, we had to apply for Cal Poly with a major in mind. And so I was like, well, I'll try out finance and see how it goes. And um, I absolutely loved the classes and the teachings of it. And, you know, I had a a vision from when I was 16 to work in investment banking and doing mergers and acquisitions. And then eventually when I made enough money, you know, work for a venture capital company. And uh, when I made even more money off of that, hopefully I was able to invest in companies myself and be an angel investor. And uh, I think that's still kind of the plan, but we've taken a little bit of a veer since then. Um, my All my roommates in college were startups, Cal Poly entrepreneurs, um, trying to work on their own projects. And they're, they were all super involved with it. And I was, you know, the guy who wanted to go the study route. And uh, fast forward like three years into college, they were all starting their companies um, and then applied for jobs and got jobs in San Francisco. And here I was, um, I took my first entrepreneurship class my senior year with Todd Nelson, who was one of the first employees of Amazon. And I just got kind of hooked and got the bug and tried my hand at creating something that I would use for myself to help me in finance, which was building my network and building relationships and uh, kind of went from there. And I started that company, which ended up raising a bunch of money. Um, we brought on team members, hired software developers, designers, um, marketing, and moved to San Francisco and uh, eventually crashed and burned there. And uh, we ran out of money. Um, and you know, long story short, I was looking for something new to do. And um, that's how I kind of got in the world of design. I'd always been um, really interested in how to, tell, how to tell a story without actually building anything. One, because I didn't have any technical knowledge whatsoever. And two, because I needed to uh, get buy-in from people who did have uh, technical experience without being able to pay a ton of money because you know I was broken 18 or, or however old I guess I was like 21 at that time and um, yeah so that's how I started getting into design and fast forward three years and you know I've kind of focused what we do is is more towards brand strategy uh, and brand identity 
and because um, I think those kind of lay the found the foundation of of a company's story. And we work with uh, generally startup companies, um, like we were in the very beginning, um, and now a little bit later on, companies that are looking to scale Series A. You know, people have raised ten to twenty million dollars generally, and are looking to bring on new team members and, or push out a new product, and they really need their story to be put together and um, cohesive and really represent what they do and who their customer is so wow yeah. that's awesome well let's actually kind of go back to the very beginning mm -hmm. like i just totally respect and think it's so cool that high school hustle craigslist like that's awesome you know i i always used to flip stuff as well but what what sparked that very early entrepreneurial drive uh i think like the very first thing i did was sell airheads in my like first grade class <laughs> i realized like we went to i think we were at costco i grew up in san diego and it was like the first costco ever opened up there and my parents took me there and i realized we could buy airheads for like 30 of them but they wouldn't let me buy it and i was like well what if i like give half of them to my brother or something and they're like no and i was like well what if i like sold them to my friends or whatever so like that was like the first like selling experience i had and uh i realized like you could get things much cheaper and you could buy them in bulk and or like there was ways of making money while still getting what you wanted. And that's kind of what I first started with was electronics was like the next thing for in high school and middle school is I was really into computers and um, like iPods. I, when iPhones came out, I loved, I, I wanted one so bad and I knew if I bought one and I could sell it for more money later on, like if I got it cheap enough and I could still sell it later on, I actually wasn't spending any money. Um, you know, eventually, you know, you you hoard things as an inventory. We're like, I know this is worth more money later on, but um, that's kind of how it, how it started is I just wanted the latest tech and I knew if I could get it for a cheap enough price, I could sell it later on. Yeah, that's wild. Or that's, keep trading up. Yeah. I think I read like the paperclip to car story like everyone else and yeah. thought like, well, I'm probably, I could probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And when you were at Cal Poly, were, you know, you said your friends were all, you know, super involved with entrepreneurship and all was there like did you ever kind of explore the center for innovation entrepreneurship then or um not in the beginning i wouldn't say until like my third year i think so my roommates were tim sweeney and matt blyfer and they were one of the one of the first um ex on the first executive boards for cpe i think like the second year cpe was even around and they put on the um it was the pitch competition, the weekend startup weekend, mm -hmm. and um, one of the first startup weekends, and I went to that, and that's kind of where I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool to to build something from nothing in two days over a weekend with all your friends. So I was kind of, you know, I think that's where I first started, like, okay, like keeping an eye on it. Um, that, but yeah, I really didn't get too much integration into CIE until I took the entrepreneurship class my senior year and had my own idea for what I wanted to do and realized like once I had my internships and in, in finance that that wasn't exactly the path I wanted to do so I think I was a little bit more open to trying new things um, and kind of opened my eyes there onto entrepreneurship yeah and then you kind of just dove right in right after I mean to go all the way up to San Francisco and tell me a little bit, a little bit more about what that first venture was okay so the first one we did inside of Todd's class was um, actually an art project so it started what well, started as like an art project um, i'd been making wooden business cards to hand out to people at career fairs for finance because i realized i wanted to stand out from 
the millions of other cards they got. And I saw a guy after a career fair throw away like a hundred business cards in the trash. So that's when I started making those and um, started getting involved with like laser cutter and the maker space. And there was a laser cutter here on campus as well that I used. And um, I had a bunch of them stacked together and it kind of made this pattern um, through the negative space that was cut out of the cards. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could make a cool pattern that's bigger and then kind of spun from there. And the main problem I had when I was making these cool art pieces was how do I sell these? And, um, you know, being having experience selling things on Craigslist and like it wasn't too difficult for me to just walk into a shop you know Morro Bay and say hey I have these artworks and I was wondering if you'd like to purchase them um, but I realized for a lot of the people in the art communities in Cal Poly or in slow in general like the places that I went to kind of learn about art sales in general um, most of the other people had no idea or didn't really feel confident doing that and they just loved making art so the first idea was how do I make a platform to help people sell art I think this is like right when Etsy was starting to become pretty popular um, and we didn't, you know, when through the class, we kind of learned about like customer development and um, doing market research and, and really trying to hone out if you're creating a new or creating a solution for a real problem or um, creating something that's already out there. So that's kind of when we found Etsy and I was like, well, they're, you know, they're not a high end mark, uh, art market. So that's kind of where we pivoted to. Um, and that was the first thing I ever worked on. Um, and then after that class though, that we had the opportunity, we got pitched to go to Draper University. It was the first class, um, and it was in San Mateo, uh, near San Francisco. And it's run by this guy named Tim Draper, who's a billionaire. And I thought it was just a, a cool opportunity to go and experience San Francisco because being in finance, like you don't stay in slow and get an investment banking job. You either go to San Francisco or LA, or New York, um, so I thought, well, why don't I go give it a chance? And um, while we like before that, before we actually went up to San Francisco, we had the chance to like meet with everyone else from Cal Poly that was going. It was probably I think like sixteen of us. All and, the Draper, or yeah, just, all that were going wow. to Draper. Yeah, sixteen of us. Um, and I met some of my best friends through that because we stayed up there for seven weeks. But beforehand, we were all like ideating new ideas, forming teams, or just kind of like learning more about what the experience would be like. And um, that's when I came up with my first like real company, I guess, like I'm doing air quotes now for all <laughs> you listeners, um, real company. And that's that was a, the focused on connecting people um, to a professional network in a way that wasn't salesy. So all the tools that were out there were to help you close a sale, not continue a professional relationship. And that was a huge issue I found with um, like trying to connect with people in finance is is like when do I connect how do I connect and what do what do they even care about um, so that's when I started that and we went through Draper University and we did we got to pitch and, um, and what was Draper University like because I went with uh, the couple entrepreneurs on one of their tours and up in the bay and it was they, they do they oh, did you just, go to Draper yeah we went to Draper uh, and I can't imagine going through that like they just throw everything at you but it seemed like quite the experience it's pretty interesting yeah it's it's all like superhero themed, which once you get over that kind of oddity, um, it, you, you can kind of get into like it was a seven week program and it's a live in program, kind of like a boarding school, I guess. But um, from the time you wake up, which is, you know, six or seven, six in the morning and you all get breakfast for about 30 minutes and then you start classes right away and they bring in speakers from, I mean, the top of the industry for for 
pretty much everything in San Francisco, but it was mainly focused on tech. So we'd hear from, I mean, some of the speakers that came were like um, head of Zappos, um, Naveen Jain, who's also another billionaire, um, uh, like founders of Pinterest. Um, can't remember all of them now, but just like so many wow, top totally. top tier people in startup world up there. And like that experience alone was just like pretty astounding to be able to ask someone who's, you know, a billionaire what matters to them um, or how they got to where they are. And, um, but the, the, the coolest experience was that it was open to the entire world. So we had 40 students and um, like, like I said, like 16 of us were Cal Poly students and then the rest were from across the world, Russia, Brazil, Chile, um, Ukraine, China, uh, you name it like we there was somebody from like from a country and um it was really cool to hear like we'd pitch problems that we thought were for our local communities and you'd hear about issues that we wouldn't you know necessarily relate to here or problems that are big here have already been solved somewhere else and so it kind of like brought a, a global view to startups and companies to me that i don't think i would have ever gotten otherwise yeah definitely wow and is that and that's where you kind of came up with this first idea for your first company? Yeah, so this is where we really like fleshed it out mm. and got to pitch it to investors and see how they would respond to it. And um, it was the it was a winter quarter because we got to take we it was like they had some school credits but it didn't really count for much. Um, so this is while you're still in school. Still in school, okay. yeah. So it was my senior year winter quarter, and then um, I came back to school for my final quarter. I was hesitant i was like maybe i should just focus on this because i don't think i'm going to do finance anymore i was that sold on it already um at least the path of startups and and working for myself um but my parents would have absolutely killed me if i only had one quarter left (laughs) and i you know looking back like i'm so glad i did it um so then i finished my quarter out and then we applied for the hothouse at the same time and i found developers through through the um, Cal Poly classes. I reached out to the professors and um, found some people and we went to the career fair that was put on by CPE. The The startup career fair was like an amazing spot to like pitch my idea and um, you know get people on board. And so once we had that and that was probably the only reason we even got into the Hothouse Accelerator program is because we were, we were able to go to that that CPE event and build a, build a solid team and then we raised the money through the Hothouse and then went through that program and yeah. Wow. And what were you guys doing? Uh, it's the personal relationship management oh, tool. Okay. So we, yeah, we saw that sales, sales wasn't necessarily an end goal for all relationships. And so we wanted to see like LinkedIn gives you a great way of connecting with people, but it doesn't give you a great way of like reaching back out and staying connected. So that's what we were, where we were filling in the gap. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so you kind of gained all your business kind of at least your initial steps of entrepreneurship there. And then what was this big switch to kind of design? Like what made you kind of go this route? Yeah. Uh, well, when we, I had, I was thinking about it actually a lot about my past company about a few months ago and what, cause people kept asking, you know, why it shut down. And there was a couple, you know, like emotional reasons that it did. Um, one is when you're working on something for so long and you're not gaining traction, or if you've had a couple pivots, I think that was the biggest strain on us is we had a couple pivots that, just kind of like shook the foundation of what we were doing um, and kind of strayed from our original purpose. 
which was what, you know, I was able to raise all the money. I mean, everything we did was before we had any kind of product. It was all, all story. And so that's why the team came on. That's why we raised money. So when we started changing the story is when we kind of strayed from it. Um, but the, but the biggest reason I, I, you know, thinking back, like the aha moment was I had down, I had, I was continue to do customer research and see what competition was out there, where they were coming up or how they were approaching the problem of helping professionals stay connected to each other in a more personal way. And I found this app, I think it was called Close.io. I think they've even pivoted their product now, but I downloaded it and you know how on your app, uh, on your phone, sometimes if you wanna de decrease your memory or delete stuff, it'll say you haven't used this app in 30 days. Well. I hadn't used the app that supposedly had done, was doing the things that we had wanted it to do. And I was super stoked on it when I first downloaded it. And I was like, this solves the problem I was trying to solve in the beginning. Um, and I put in all my information. I tried to you know, put all my contacts in, um, put all the scheduling and when I wanted to do things, uh, reach out to people. Um, and I just, I, I realized I had been swiping away notifications every day for 30 days and never actually opening the app and using what I was building. Mm -hmm. So at that point it was kind of like, okay, well, uh, time to shut it down. And, and it's, you know, the next day, I mean, it's just like, it's like a tough thing when you actually have to call up people and tell them like, we can't do this anymore, or I'm not going to be part of this if, if you would like to take it obviously. But I think it was mostly centered around, um, what I wanted from the company at the time, which, you know, looking back is also something not great to set up in the beginning of a company, but, um, it was a big learning experience and the next day I kind of realized like, well, now I have to figure out what to do with my life. <laughs> and, uh, we had hired a designer really early on and they flew out here from Portland and, uh, we're here for the summer, but, um, just weren't super into technology and it just wasn't their passion. So they ended up leaving the team, which left a big gap in our team. So I just, because I had done some things in illustrator before Adobe illustrator, um, and done the logos, like the very first logos and the very first prototypes because I needed to sell it to designers for them to even come on the team. I was like, well, okay, I'll just pick up that slack. And so I kept doing it for my team and through the hothouse, other teams saw what I was doing and we would, it was funny, like someone would offer like, you know, a few hundred bucks or whatever, whatever limited cash we had. Um, but some would say like, hey, we have a developer, we could, you know, trade some developer time for some designer time. and. We were, you know, I was like, hell yeah, like we, we would love to use, we would love some more development help on our web app. And, um, cause our guys were both mobile. And so that's how it all kind of got started. And then I started doing more pitch decks because when I moved back to San Francisco, um, Draper asked me to be a mentor at the program. And, um, so I was doing that for six months and I'd worked with, I think each session I got like five or seven people, um, and every single every single session we had all three of the top performers in the pitch day were from my my mentees which was like incredible to i mean definitely humbling experience um but it also like i was like well why don't i give it a hand at, at doing pitch decks then so that's how it all kind of started with design and, but when we was doing pitch decks i realized um the first the first problem we'd always run into is do they have a cohesive brand that we can communicate through the pitch deck. So do you have, I mean, basic things like color palette, uh, typography, you know, um, do they have different logos that they can use in different spots? Um, and do they have any kind of illustration style or photography style? 
so we'd always I'd always end up doing that kind of doing that work anyways and that's how, kind of how I pivoted to starting with brand and like defining those that strategy first getting that getting those basics down first and then you know once we've done a full brand now it's way easier to when we're doing a pitch deck it's like well what kind of picture should we put here well we already defined our customer and our color palette and our, our photography style before so we can just refer back to that so making a pitch deck you know instead of taking 20 hours takes five hours um, because they, and then everything else that they do takes less time I mean when they're building a website they have the the bones and the guidelines to do it so yeah that's wild that's super cool and when you go out to kind of companies now that cause you kind of mentioned before it's like trying to tell their story through this brand how how does that kind of go down like what if it's just like a company that you know I don't know that's like hard to kind of tell their story because if they don't have anything like they're probably like hey what do we do so how do you kind of tackle these big companies and brands yeah I mean most of the companies I work with are tech companies and they have technical founders who probably have never even touched you know a design program let alone like Microsoft Paint um, or if they have that's when they where they did their first logo in <laughs> um, or they hired a friend so fiber, a big yeah. One. yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of fibers or 99 designs or, um, uh, and you know, that's kind of where I noticed there's a big difference between design and brand. Um, but to answer your question, um, it depends, it depends on, um, the type of company, you know, if whatever they're, if it's a service or a product, but generally you can tell a story no matter what. I mean, even if it's just how they got started, um, there's generally a purpose behind it, even if the founders don't know it. And that's kind of my job is to pull that out through questions, through interviews. And generally, like I like talking to an entire founding team because it's kind of like a group therapy session, I call it, like design therapy or brand therapy, where I'll ask, like, what was your reason for getting started with the company? And some people are like, I never even knew you, start you cared about that part of the business. Um, and so like I've actually seen like job shifts inside of startups and um, or refocusing of product. A lot of the times, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a customer archetype in a way where they're where they come to the realization that maybe that's not what their product solved, like the problem the product solves best. Or they were they were they need to shift product based on what they actually think their brand and core problems that they're solving is. So I think, you know. Um, for most companies, you know, um, if it's like a wine company, you base off an origin story. If it's a service company, you tell a story about the user and the problems that they have and then walk them through how your solution solves those and is the, you know, the angel to their, to their despair. And then um, those are some good examples. If it's you, you basically just tell the story for whoever the user is if you don't have a company story behind the company. So because because basically any any product or service needs it, it does, most people don't care about the brand like they, they care about themselves and like people buy Patagonia because they believe in what they, be, they believe Patagonia believes what they believe. And so by purchasing their products, they're not only showing to the world like by wearing it that they believe something similar. Um, it's, it's kind of like grouping, you know, like, I wouldn't use the word cult, but um, it's like showing who you are, expressing yourself um, is what, why most people follow brands. And so how do you create a brand worth following mm -hmm. that people can relate to? 
Totally, yeah. And now you just kind of rebranded with this design, did you? Right? I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What was that kind of switch for you? Uh, it's incredibly hard. If you've ever tried to work on a project where there's absolutely no restrictions and it's your own, um, you know, we went back quite a bit of times, like back and forth on um, the, the, the most interesting part of why we did the brand. Uh, we used to be called SMPL Studio and, you know, pronounced Simple Studio. And um, the main the main thing I've been learning over the past year is integrating naming into our branding strategy sessions and identity. So we would help companies come up with new names. And as I was creating the the guideline for what we use as our process, I realized our company had had not followed those directions very well. And so it was a way to kind of tackle um, using our own our own system on our own name. How could we show our own process and that it works and um yeah then i mean we we got people misspelling our name quite often they'd search it wrong they wouldn't be able to find us online because we were you know it's smpl and not simple and i'd have to explain that every time and the main reason was if i have like the main thing i i think of for for naming a company is if you have to apologize for your name or explain it before you even talk about what you do you've kind of already lost and because most people have a five second attention span as it is. So that's the main reason why we did it. Um, and it was yeah, extremely difficult to come up with a name in a creative space. <laughs> I mean, every other branding agency is great at branding. So they have creative names themselves. So we came up, like we work with mostly founders who, and we, we thought like, um, you know, first on, like we would work a lot with a lot of um, serial, serial entrepreneurs. So we thought, oh, wouldn't that be kind of fun to have as a name, like Serial, but spelled with a C, you know, C-E-R-I-E-L or I-A-L. Um, and we could have like cereal bowls or we could send like cereal boxes out as, you know, like have our branding on it. Um, company in New Jersey, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, we came up with so many different names and, and it, because it's so global, like the Internet's so global now, too, you, it's hard to differentiate. And um, so that was kind of the first challenge was picking a name. And then now once you're picking, oh, but when you're picking a name, you need to also kind of build your brand and see if it has legs. So you can't, so cereal was great because you could have cereal boxes or, you know, do something about spoons or golden spoons or silver spoons or what you have other things that you can talk about um, that strengthen your brand that are stories that people can relate to. So, I mean, Apple's kind of gotten far away from the Apple. <laughs> But um, there's plenty of companies that, that have plays off. So there's this company, um, it's a PR firm, and it used to be called just the person's name, you know, like Ashley Rosendale uh, PR. And, um, you know, after learning about the brand, the founder is a very fiery, energetic, like in-your-face type of person. So they rebranded as um, Fire Talker PR. And... Um, their different packaging for their pricings where like wildfire was the top one and then it was like bonfire and you know spark um so they named their pricing based on their their name um and so i know i want i knew i wanted something like that as well that related to the audience that i was working with but also had a personal story so after hours was what we what we switched to one because this i mean it all got started while I was still working on my own startup company and I was doing this in the after hours 
And when I, you know, when you're working on a startup, there is no nine to five. It's you put in the hours when you need to. Um, whether it's you know nine p.m. or nine a.m. really doesn't make a difference to a startup founder. Um, and we work with people across the world. I mean, we work with people in Australia and Japan and Switzerland, all different time zones. So we need to be flexible in figuring out um, how that works, but also the cultures of those different countries that we're working with or, and where the clients are. Um, so that that was how we picked the name and um, the whole concept of our rebrand. Yeah. But it took forever. It took like, I think we I, I was working on it for probably a year, almost a year. Wow, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. Well, and now you guys are going strong. Like, what does the future look like for you? Yeah, I want to, I want to continue working with startups. Um, we're 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 finding that the that working with um, bigger bigger startups, so Series A people who are trying to scale. So the the biggest need for brand is when you actually have the money to put it out there with marketing, and um, that's kind of what we're looking to to put more effort into is working with more series A companies, series B. Um, but besides that, I would love to work with more creatives. Um, so I work with consultants you know, across the US right now and I have one in Ukraine and I would love to eventually bring someone you know, into the, into the shop here in San Luis Obispo and have more, have more, avail- uh, have more capabilities to do bigger projects. So I want to work with photographers and videographers and animators and illustrators and take on some some bigger projects for you know the likes of like slack or you know i think that some of the rebrands that i see out you know from from some of the larger agencies i think we could do better and so my goal is like how do i how do i help the startups we work with become even more successful and like the whole reason i even got into this is because i get to work with startups still even though i don't run my i mean this is technically i guess a startup but it's an it's a typical agency model um, studio model, but I'm very, I like working with companies that I believe in as well. And so this allows me to, to learn about interesting industries that I otherwise would never have, have learned about whatsoever. I mean, I like learned about, you know, like cricket protein business, um, uh, learning about like storing energy in salt and, uh, from, from a Swedish company in Switzerland, there's a, a grave burial site because you can only bury your your loved ones for you can only stay in a burial plot for 70 years maximum um, and then they re- take your body out and um, someone else gets the spot and so you basically rent a grave grave spot I mean like I never would have you know come up uh, been able to work with these type of companies or even thought about these these industries if I hadn't been working with these cool clients so yeah continuing working with cool clients and working with startups that are changing changing how we perceive the status quo and how we live life is kind of the goal besides growing the company and i think (laughs) that the only reason i want to grow the company is so that i can take on cooler projects and work with work with um you know bigger companies that are that have more going on or um, but i still love i mean i still love working with like the guy who has an idea because there's something about like the unbridled like ambition and just like the excitement to it that's what i love that's awesome well cool that's a great spot to end and thank you so much i wish you the best of luck yeah yeah, this has been great thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to check out all the other episodes of polycast on any of the podcast platforms as well as through the link in the description i'm your host davy drones 
and you've been listening to Polycast. Mm-hmm.